Former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton flies out tomorrow after a seven-day stay in Taiwan. On Monday, he met Vice President Lai Qingde for talks on Taiwan-U.S. relations and China's growing authoritarianism. Let's hear from them. I especially want to express my admiration for Mr. Bolton for Ambassador Bolton's long-standing commitment to enhancing Taiwan-U.S. relations, ensuring stability in the Taiwan Strait, fostering global democratic unity, and building regional security frameworks. We will need ongoing U.S. support in many areas, including Taiwan's membership campaign for the CPTPP and the signing of more bilateral trade agreements with the U.S. If Taiwan can receive further assistance in security and economic matters, I know that Taiwan would be able to play a pivotal role in the Indo-Pacific region in safeguarding peace and stability. High level of partisanship uh, in our politics, concern about the global threat of China uh, has been growing years economically, politically, militarily to uh, threaten to, to increase its threats really across the globe. And positive news is despite the level of partisanship, concern about China is bipartisan, at least for now, uh, which means that uh, from Taiwan's perspective, this is a, uh, a rich opportunity in, in many ways to, to, uh, to, to get closer to the United States. Vice President Lai requested U.S. support for Taiwan's entry to the CPTPP trade bloc, or the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. Bolton responded that this was the best time for Taiwan and the U.S. to join forces to counter China's looming threat. There's just about three weeks left before the World Health Assembly, and Taiwan has yet to receive an invitation. On Monday, Taiwan's health minister said he hoped friendly nations would support Taiwan's campaign for participation. Meanwhile, the Taiwan State Building Party has announced plans to rally for the cause in Switzerland. Calling for Taiwan's participation in the WHA is Formosa Medical Union Chair Wu Xindai. She will lead a delegation from the Taiwan State Building Party to advocate for inclusion in Switzerland. We'll bring along the voices of frontline medical workers with a banner signed by frontline medical workers. Many epidemic prevention staff at hospitals feel that Taiwan's current approach to disease control is somewhat different from the WHA's, so our professional opinions are very much needed. Let's not divide ourselves into big and small, into us and them. There is only one Taiwan, and we want to join as Taiwan. We are accomplished, we are trustworthy. We can march together and set foot in the WHA. It is imperative that we do so. A Taiwanese expat called on the people of Taiwan to have confidence, to mobilize, and to join an upcoming street demonstration to promote Taiwan's participation. Wu urged the KMT to support the cause without undermining or belittling Taiwan. Every May, the KMT asks why Taiwan isn't taking part in the WHA. They love saying that Taiwan participated every year during Ma Ying-jeou's administration. But back then, Taiwan had to downgrade itself and participate as Chinese Taipei. That caused Democratic partners to lose their trust in Taiwan, as Taiwan was corroborating with the One China narrative. We haven't received an invite yet. We'll continue working hard on that. We're being snubbed and treated unequally. 
but I hope that with the efforts of friendly countries, we can gain more international participation. The health minister said Taiwan had not yet received an invitation to the WHA. He added that Taiwan could continue cooperating with international allies to be seen by the world. The CECC has disbanded, meaning that COVID will now be managed by a liaison committee under the health ministry. Debate now is focused on who will be the leader of the committee. Some doctors want to see someone with professional experience in public health. Another argues that scraping the committee altogether is the best way to prevent resource waste. The CECC has officially disbanded and COVID is now a Category 4 infectious disease. The virus will now be handled by a health ministry liaison committee composed of expert teams. With interest in booster shots dwindling, the health minister said much work was still to be done. We encourage people who haven't received their shots to get them. We're still promoting vaccination campaigns. A question mark hangs over who will lead the COVID liaison committee. Particularly for infectious diseases and emerging infections, we need to approach prevention and control from a public health perspective. That requires expert knowledge. So it would be best if the committee is headed by an expert, someone who can also coordinate with different departments. So this person should be quite high ranking. Huang Gaobing from China Medical University Hospital says he hopes for a leader with relevant experience and not someone with a background in politics. He says that Zhang Xiangchun would be a good fit. One physician says COVID should just be handled by the CDC to streamline operations. COVID should be handed over to the CDC for normal processing. That would also increase government efficiency. After the CECC was established, all administrative orders and reports had to go through the CECC. But now we can return to normal government procedures. I think that going back to normal operations at all departments is a good thing. The doctor says that letting the CDC manage COVID would prevent the waste of government resources. Turning the focus now to Paraguay, where the presidential race has resulted in a victory for Taiwan. Santiago Peña of the pro-Taiwan Colorado Party won the election on Sunday with about 43 percent of the vote. Taiwan's ambassador has congratulated Peña on behalf of President Tsai Ing-wen and Vice President Lai Ching-de. Peña had triumphed over Efrain Le Alegre, who had previously threatened to switch ties from Taiwan to China. In contrast, Peña is seen as firmly pro-Taiwan and has promised to maintain ties with the island nation. As Paraguay prepares for its presidential inauguration in August, rumors are circulating that Taiwan's vice president may attend and potentially transit in the U.S. Taiwan's presidential office and foreign ministry have declined to comment. They say only that more details will be disclosed if Paraguay invites Taiwan to the inauguration. To celebrate Labor Day, New Taipei conferred honors on hundreds of model workers at a ceremony last week. 246 workers from all types of industries, professions, and sectors were honored at the ceremony. The event drew special focus to the achievements of 10 migrant workers and 10 disabled workers. We caught up with some of the winners, hearing how they contribute to society every day. Prize winners ascend the stage to music, beaming as they accept their trophies. These are the model workers recognized by New Taipei in 2023. Lin Feng Chao was commended for her meticulous work while living with the eye condition nystagmus. I've been in housekeeping for seven or eight years. I have poor vision. 
My eyes are constantly moving up and down or left and right. As a hotel housekeeper, Lynn has never been late to work or clocked off early. Every polish of a mirror and straightening of a sheet is carried out with the same care. Meanwhile, fellow prize winner Mia is from the Philippines. She raises her client's hand gently as part of his physical therapy. She's helping this octogenarian Alzheimer's patient recover his ability to walk. I, I have a lot of patience to take care of him because I love him like my father. New Taipei covers a very large area and we have a very large population. So we have more than 2 million people employed in New Taipei. I am extremely grateful to all of our workers who show up to their jobs every day, who give it their all and make this land of Taiwan better and better every day. This Labor Day, 246 people were honored at the Model Worker Ceremony. They represented people from all types of employment. New Taipei wants to celebrate the heroes who hold society together from all walks of life. We turn now to an unusual tradition preserved in Pingdong. The Lin family used to be in pig farming, but with the price of food going up, pig feed became extortionate. The couple needed a new living. They turned to the holder of a very Taiwanese tradition, puffed rice cakes. They learned the classic way to make puffed rice with syrup, how it was made in Taiwan decades ago. Now they can be seen on many Pingdong roads selling the nostalgic snack, and the best part is they can now take their kids to work with them. A small truck is parked beside a road. Mr. Lin has his one-year-old child in his arms, while the two-year-old sits amiably on the truck. Mrs. Lin starts heating up the syrup. When everything's ready, Mrs. Lin takes the baby and her husband gets the machine together. The rice inside is heated with gas and when the pressure's high enough, it pops with a massive sound. The syrup at 100 degrees Celsius is added to the rice and is mixed evenly before being flattened and cut up. The lens are ready to receive customers. <laughs> Some come when they smell the delicious scent of puffed rice. Others feel moved to support the young couple at work with two children in tow. But Mr. Lin in his 30s feels blessed to be doing this job. It's not hard being all together. It's a blessing. Being together as a family of four feels like being connected to life. This Pingdong couple previously worked in pig farming. But as pig feed prices soared, the business was no longer viable. So they turned to a traditional puffed rice master and asked to learn the secrets of this culinary art. Then they went into business. Puffed rice is not a big money spinner, but it's enough to earn a living. The best thing is that the whole family can be together all day, a benefit that's priceless for this loving family. The Economics Ministry has released its enforcement rules for a new law targeting the semiconductor industry. Built as Taiwan's version of the CHIPS Act, the law is meant to encourage domestic investment by giving tax breaks to innovative companies. Under the enforcement rules, a company can apply for R&D tax credit of up to 25% if it spends at least 6% of annual sales on R&D, and if spending is at least 6 billion NT. A company can apply for equipment tax credit of up to 5% if it spends at least 10 billion NT on equipment for advanced processes. Eligibility isn't limited to the chip sector, 
but is open to any innovative company that has a key role in international supply chains. These enforcement rules are subject to a 30-day public comment period that starts on Monday. Oral cancer is one of the biggest cancers in Taiwan. Official figures suggest it was the cause of death for more than 3,000 people last year. Officials are pouring more resources into screening for oral cancer, which helps patients catch the disease at stage zero. If you get an early diagnosis, treatment is more effective and many patients avoid the worst outcomes. Today, we meet an oral cancer survivor who was shocked when a simple cold turned into the biggest health crisis of his life. This is Mr. Yen. The 63-year-old had been chewing betel nut for more than 30 years, when out of the blue, catching a simple cold changed his life forever. I thought it was nothing, but I got tested and, oh my god, it's cancer. You can't avoid cancer by not getting the test. Tobacco and betel nut do nothing good for our health. They're very expensive, too. You could buy a million-dollar car with that money. Mr. Yen spoke about his painful journey with cancer to encourage other people who use betel nut or tobacco to get tested. According to Health Promotion Administration figures, 3,400 people in Taiwan died of oral cancer last year. It's one of the top 10 cancers for men in Taiwan and the fourth most deadly type of cancer. The HPA urges everyone in a high-risk group to get a screening once every two years. It's also subsidizing hospitals to offer free screening clinics and workplaces for groups of 30 people. You need to be really attentive if you have a mouth ulcer that lasts longer than two weeks, especially if you notice any white or red streaks in your mouth, or if you find a lump when you feel around the ulcer. The survival rate is over 80% for patients who catch the cancer at stage zero or in the early stages. But in the third or fourth stage, the survival rate is just 30%, and it has a gigantic impact on quality of life. The HPA urges members of the public to get regular screenings so they can get treatment early and avoid the worst outcomes of oral cancer. And now let's take a look at a unique type of streak activism, free hugs. The free hugs movement began in Australia and spread all over the world. Many different people have offered hugs to strangers as a random act of kindness. And in Taiwan, street activist Ye Boshuan has been giving free hugs since 2015. He says he simply wants his activism to spark reflection, and he finds takers for hugs all over Taiwan. But many people feel cautious about hugging a stranger. We spoke to a psychologist and a psychotherapist to learn about the research on hugging. A man stands on the street holding a sign aloft, free hugs. He opens his arms wide. A passerby looks confused at first, then darts up and gives him a hug. I feel that I want to do actions that will make people reflect, reflect on different issues, whether it's gender or our society or even politics. Street activist Ye Boshen runs free hugs and confessional hugs actions in the hope of dissolving the suspicion, fear and coldness that can exist between strangers in public spaces. A hug is a simple way to share warmth. Ye normally wears a blindfold to avoid making eye contact. More people are willing to hug him when he wears a blindfold, he says. The eye contact impacts people. Even though I don't mean it, people will assume that I'm inviting them to hug me, but that's not my intention. Ye began his street activism in 2015. One big challenge for him is the wariness most people feel towards strangers in public. 
For me, these hugs don't have any gigantic significance, so I wouldn't want to take the risk of doing it. I think it's good, but in the society right now, I think it must be quite difficult to publicize things with this method. I wouldn't really hug him because he's a man. If it were a woman, I would do it. I think it's just a bit of warmth, just a little hug. It's not a big deal. Meanwhile, psychological research shows that hugs have a lot of proven benefits. There's also research showing that hugging can improve our social relationships and provide support. Physiologically, the action of hugging can also increase oxytocin and serotonin in our brains. It has various effects like producing happiness, reducing stress, and lowering heart rate and blood pressure. When I go to hug you, perhaps it's very purely that I believe in this idea. But once you hug someone, it sparks various feelings in the person who has been hugged. Firstly, it will feel like I have a connection with the person. And secondly, it might project on my previous life experiences, people I have lost or people I didn't get to hug, or feelings of never having been hugged or of wanting to be hugged. Being hugged, I'm accepted and validated. Psychologists recommend that when you hug a stranger, keep the time limited. Just three to five seconds will probably feel good. Longer than that and you might easily start to feel uncomfortable or sense an invasion of your personal space. But a few seconds hug might just do you and your brain a little good. Controversy erupted recently around the markings on a rural Taoyuan road. A bend in Guishan district has wide white stripes painted on it. A photo of the band went viral when netizens suggested it was a real-life Super Mario track. Locals are concerned about the stripes, which they say can be dazzling. Others say the marks are so wide they fear to slip. But Taoyuan officials have defended the markings, saying they have been carefully designed to tell road users to cut their speed and prevent accidents. A photo of this road has gone viral online. The asphalt is covered in large white markings. Netizens say it looks like a Super Mario racetrack with go-fastest stripes. But locals are less amused by the situation here on Datong Road in Guishan District. Many scooter riders say that the raised paint stripes are so wide they fear they'll slip when it's raining. On sunny days, the white marks shine so brightly they can be dazzling. The marks seem too wide. I feel like I'll slide on a rainy day. My feeling is, when you look at the sun shining on it, the reflection makes it look like a big sheet of white in front of you. So why are these super white stripes here? Taoyuan City Department of Transportation says they are slowed-down markings used in mountainous areas. They're modeled after a Japanese design and tell road users to slow down as they go around the bend. They aim to prevent cars from veering off the road and reduce accidents. Enhanced anti-slip paint was used to reduce hazards. The higher the anti-slip factor of the marks, the more effectively they prevent slippage. On normal roads, the anti-slip factor of markings is 50. For slow-down markings in mountainous areas, the anti-slip factor is 65. Perhaps the markings are doing their job after all. On rainy days, locals are more than willing to slow down when they go round this bend.